before I jump into the message, because I have a message, I just want to honor a few, a few people. Um, I want to honor, uh, first off, my pastoral team and leadership team of the house. Uh, they are amazing people. Some of them are up here. Some of them are scattered. Some of them are serving in the lobby right now. And um, Vanessa and I is as amazing as I think we, her and I might be. Um, our, uh, our pastoral team makes the difference and our leaders make the difference. And um, so I'm so grateful for you guys. I love you guys so much. And you've taken so much weight off of uh, my wife and myself. And so we're grateful for you. Wherever Mike went, he was here. And, and Mark, love you guys. Um, I also real quick want to honor... Uh, I saw some people that were here in 2013 um, that helped start the church. And so I don't even, I can't see anything. But don't turn on the lights. I just can't see you. I love you, Henderson family. And, uh, and then I just, I want to honor my wife. Um, she took up a lot of my time talking. and That's okay. You never get a chance. And so... It's, it was a privilege for everyone to hear hear you speak, and um, she she gets to see me behind the scenes when I feel like I can't go and I can't do it, and she's the one that's um, encouraging me. And so I love you, so grateful for you. And uh, so we're gonna stop with this. And <laughs> I got a message that I, I really believe that God has put on my heart for today. Um, we're gonna have two verses. The first one's going to be found in Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verse 18 through 19. It's a very familiar verse. It says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love that God is saying, I'm doing a new thing. How many of you guys can, 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 uh, can look forward to a new thing? Despite how good your past may have been, how bad your past may have been, he wants to do a new thing. And so this morning, I want to talk to you briefly, if you're taking notes from this subject. God's not done. God's not done. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, God's not done. Turn to your second choice and tell him God's not done with you either. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this monumental moment, God, of, of celebrating your faithfulness to this house. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, as always, we acknowledge you as our guest of honor this morning. We ask that you would do what only you can do. God, we want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better, but not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. So we thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone, say it. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited, too, for group start tomorrow, and so we're excited about that. But uh, my son and I, we just got home from a trip, a road trip that we did, and we had a lot of fun. It was, it was, I wanted my son to, to learn a little bit about his dad's past. 
to learn the history of where I've where I felt like I grew as as a person, as a man, uh, where my faith was developed. And so we we took this road trip over there, and part of the plan was uh, I wanted my son to meet my roommates, my my brothers. Like these are guys that that I call to this day when when I'm going through something, and they're there for me. And I was like, man, this would be really cool for, for my son to meet these guys. And so we meet at this burger joint, and it's the four of us sitting at this table. We're eating these amazing burgers and uh, these delicious hand-dipped onion rings. And, uh, and out of nowhere, we're just enjoying our food. Out of nowhere, my son is like, can you guys tell me some of the craziest stories that my dad has done? And I'm, I have my burger, and I'm like, I'm like joking. And my, my, my friends, they, they were caught off guard too. And so they, they looked at me like, is this okay? Can I tell them? And uh, I'm like, you know what? This is a bonding time. I want him to learn. And so they, they were telling him stories about me back in college and just things that I've done. Nothing illegal, but just, you know, just a little crazy. And uh, as, as they're telling my son these stories, I look over to him and I see the look on his face of enjoyment, but shock. And he's just intently listening to these stories. Well, we were on our final stretch of our drive, and uh, my son and I, and he says, Dad, can I ask you something? I was like, yeah, you, you can ask me, ask me whatever you want, man. He said, were those stories true? <laughs> Um, and I wanted to say no, but I was like, yes, yes, they, they were true. And I was thinking about him asking me this question, like, dad, is that true? Did those things really happen? And I realized that the reason he was not able to understand, or the reason why he was not able to, to comprehend these stories is because the dad he knows now looks different than the dad from the past. That, that within that time period that there was some change that took place in my life. Now, as much as I loved those college days of just being free, doing whatever I want, no kids, if I wanted to hang out with friends, I didn't have to find a babysitter, come on parents. I was, I was free to do whatever I wanted. And I would say to you this morning that those were good days. But I am so glad that I didn't stay in that season. That despite having good days in the past, I am so glad that my today is better. And, and so the reason why I'm telling you this, this story and, and why I'm, 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 I'm prefacing with, with, this, with this encounter that I had with my son is for those of you that were part of our 21 days of prayer, I said uh, on our morning YouTube, I said, I feel like God has given me a phrase for today. And here is the phrase that yesterday was good, but tomorrow's going to be better. <laughs> yesterday was good. But tomorrow is going to be better. Come on, some of you need to speak that over your life. Yesterday was good, but tomorrow is going to be better. 
See, God's faithfulness to this house over the past 10 years was good. He has always provided. We have never been in want, even when we were set up, tear down over there for, ten, for six years almost. Like his faithfulness was good. But I'm believing that tomorrow's going to be even over the past 10 years, we have seen God heal people from sicknesses. We have seen people, God healing people from cancer. We have seen marriages restored. We have seen, we have seen addictions being broken over this past 10 years. And I'm so grateful for the goodness and the kindness of God. But I have to believe that as good as yesterday was, tomorrow's going to be better. Let me bring it closer to home. I'm believing that this mindset that yesterday was good, tomorrow was better, that it trickles down to everyone in this room, to those that are viewing us online, that we would live with the mindset that yesterday was good, but have the faith to believe that tomorrow is going to be even better. Now, what I have discovered about this, this mindset, though, is that like there, there are a few attributes that I, that I have to, I have to possess, in order to fully step into this this idea that tomorrow is going to be better. And I also think I should let you know that just because I'm believing tomorrow is going to be better, doesn't mean I'm not honoring yesterday. That yesterday was amazing. Like I still honor God's faithfulness, but I can still say and believe that that tomorrow is going to be better. And so what I want us to do over the next few moments is I want to look at the story of this guy named Elijah, because I really believe that in this story, he displays in, in, this, in the text that we're going to read in 1 Kings, uh, there, there, there's this mindset that he has, that even though God used him to do something cool, he had the expectation that God was still going to use him for something even better. And so we're going to start off in, in 1 Kings chapter 16, but I want to give you a backdrop. If you are unfamiliar with Elijah, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And if you are unfamiliar with, a, with what a prophet is, a prophet, I guess in the simplest terms, was, is, was, was a spokesperson for God. And so God tells Elijah, he says, Elijah, I want you to go talk to, to the king of Israel, to King Ahab. And I want you to address some things that I have to pick with King Ahab. Now, before we get further into the story, I want you to know a little bit about King Ahab. Now, what we read in 1 Kings chapter 16 is, is that King Ahab, his dad, had passed the baton to Ahab. But it's very interesting because in 1 Kings chapter 16, it says that, uh, that Ahab's daddy was wicked. His daddy was evil. But if you keep reading, here's what's interesting, is that not only was his dad evil, but the text scripture says that Ahab was even more wicked and even more evil than his dad. Now, this is not in my notes, but I think it's important. Parents, what you have in you trickles down. That what you, what you pour into your kids matters. Every morning, my wife and I, when we pray, we're praying this, God, I pray that you would break generational strongholds over our kids. 
Because there are some things that I have struggled with, that I have dealt with, that my parents have dealt with, that has just been passed down and passed down and passed down. And I'm like, it stops here. And so, so we see that, that Ahab's daddy, his wickedness got passed down to his son. And so, so Ahab, he was a wicked king. And what's interesting is that wickedness attracts wickedness. Because it says that Ahab, he, he ended up marrying this lady called Jezebel. Now, you don't have to be church to know that name, Jezebel. <laughs> Woo, you know you're shuddering when you heard that word Jezebel. Jezebel, ah. Like, because she was wicked too. And so, so here's Ahab, and he meets this lady, Jezebel, and they get married. And this is not in my notes either, but I think it's important to understand. Be careful the finger you put that ring on. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to date him, and I'm going to win him to Jesus. I'm going to win her to Jesus. No, you're not. You're probably going to crumble. They're going to pull you down. I've actually seen that more times than not. People, they pull you down more than you pull them up. So you, you don't have to missionary date anybody. So Jezebel, Ahab, he marries Jezebel. And, um, and, and, the, and text says, you could read this again. This is 1 Kings 16, and we're going to go all the way to 18. But I'm just paraphrasing right now. It says that uh, because they were both wicked, idolatry ran rampant in Israel. And so these people were worshiping everything. And so God tells Elijah, I want you to go talk to King Ahab about his wickedness. And so uh, we get to 1 Kings chapter 17. And Elijah, he meets with King Ahab. And he says, King God is going to cause a drought in this land. And he's like, peace, and he leaves. And so the entirety of chapter 17, we see, uh, we see how, they are, how they are dealing with this drought. We get into chapter 18. We, we see now King Ahab's perspective of the drought. But what I find very interesting in 1 Kings chapter 18 God said in First uh, Kings chapter 18 and verse 1, it says this, that God, after three years, over three, so the drought was going on for three years, over three years, God finally talks to Elijah, and he says, Elijah, I want you to meet with, with King Ahab, and I want you to tell him that I am going to make it rain now. So Elijah, through some connections, he, he finally meets with King Ahab. And you got to read the text. It's hilarious because uh, they, they, uh, Elijah and King Ahab, they meet face to face. And King Ahab's like, there's a troublemaker. And then Elijah's like, no, you, you, it's not because of me. It's because of your family. And it's like, ooh. Uh, like it's, it's just one of those like heated, heated things, man. And, uh, and, and so, so Elijah says this. I'm going to read this to you in 1 Kings 18, verse 22. It says this. Then Elijah said to, to uh, them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and pull it on the wood, but not see f and not set fire to it. 
I will prepare the other bull, put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. So, so Elijah and, um, and King Ahab face to face, they're talking, they're smack. And Elijah's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a showdown. We're going to have the battle of the bulls, okay? He said, I want you to gather all of Israel, and I want you to, to bring all of the prophets of Baal, and we're going to meet on Mount Carmel, and here's, the, here's what the plan is. You're going to build yourself an altar. You're going to put your bull on there, and then you're going to pray, and we're, and we're going to see if your God, lowercase g, consumes your bull, your altar. And then I'm going to do the same thing, and then we'll see what God responds. And the king Ahab's like, yeah, let's do that. And Elijah's like, yeah, let's do that. So, so King Ahab, he gathers all, all of Israel. He gathers all the prophets um, of, of, of Baal and um, Asherah, and, 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 and they, they, they meet on, on the mount, on, on top of the mountain top. And then Elijah, he's a gentleman. He's like, you can go first, king. So the prophets of Baal, they, they build up their altar. They sacrifice their bull. Sorry, vegans. They put it on the altar. And they start praying to Baal and to Asherah, their, their lowercase gods. And they're praying and they're praying and nothing happens. So then uh, they, they start praying a little louder like praying and praying and praying louder and nothing happens so much so i love it this is in the text elijah he's sitting in the back he's like hey maybe if you scream louder he can hear you he says this this is hilarious he's like maybe your god's using the bathroom <laughs> like he is talking mad smack and so they start they start screaming louder and then they start dancing like, they're, they're trying to, like, get their lowercase God to, to respond. And it's going, and then they start cutting themselves. Yeah. They're, 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 they're trying hard to, to get the attention of their God, and nothing, nothing happens. And then Elijah's like, okay, it's my turn. So the text reads, and you can read this, at home, this is chapter 18 of 1 Kings, he gets 12 stones and he begins to build this altar. And then he takes his bull and he picks him up. <laughs> I just came from Texas. It's cool there. So here's Elijah. He gets 12 stones. He's building it, right? He gets the bull. We, we discussed that he puts the bull on the altar. And then he does something crazy, okay? Scripture says he builds a trench around the altar. And then he's like, here's what I'm going to do next. He gets, he gets a pitcher of water. And he pours the water all over the wood, all over the altar. Now, if you're there, you're thinking, this guy's nuts. What, that, like, why is he, why is he doing this? Like, this, this makes no sense. But notice, he, he doesn't just do it once, he does it three times. So he's like, the second time he brings that pot, he pours it on the altar. And people are like, this guy is loony. 
Elijah's like, let's get one more. He gets it and he pours it on there. And he's like, man, this is what people are like, what is going on? And then Elijah, he's standing in front of his altar and he makes a simple prayer. And what we discover is that God answers and consumes the altar. But here's, here's what I find so fascinating is that uh, Elijah continued to pour water on the altar even when it didn't make sense, even, even when it wasn't the thing to do, even if it was the thing that was so bizarre. But because Elijah was willing to pour water, I want to suggest to you that Elijah was confident that God was going to show up. He was confident that God was going to show up, that, that no, matter what, no matter what the situation, he was confident that God was going to consume the altar. Now, he, now, so here's the first thing, the first thing, the first attribute that you and I gotta have is that we gotta be confident that God's gonna show up. Yeah. If we are going to believe that tomorrow, yesterday was good, but tomorrow's gonna be better, we have to believe, we have to be confident that God is gonna show up. Now, here's what's interesting. All throughout Scripture, we see water. Water is symbolic for the Spirit of God. And so I want to submit to you that, that Elijah, he's pouring water over the very situation that he needs a movement in. And it doesn't make sense, but, but he's, he's pouring water, symbolizing the Spirit of God over his situation. That I'm confident that I'm going to, God, that you are going to show up, that I'm going to pour everything that I have over my situation. And I'm not talking about being confident in your own strength. See, because some of us, like, we're confident in our own abilities. We're confident in our own checkbook. We're confident in our own, in our own looks. But I'm, not, I'm talking about being confident in God. And so Elijah, he could have done anything he wanted to this altar, but he chose to cover it with water. This morning, I want to I submit to you that, that, that people will look at you when you're covering your situation with prayer. When you are confident that God is going to show up, people are going to look at you as the same way that I'm sure they did at uh, Elijah. Like, what is he doing? This doesn't make sense. You've been going to church for a year. Your, your, your life is still jacked up. You've been reading your Bible. You've been praying. You've been doing everything. And your life is still the same way. Why are you wasting your time? It doesn't make sense. But I am confident show up when he needs to show up that he will respond when he needs to respond that I am confident in that and so Elijah he pours water over the altar he prays and all of a sudden the altar's consumed I love it and and so so now now uh everyone everyone is like whoa they're amazed. They're like, surely that is your God is the real God. And then um, it says that Elijah, he took all the prophets of Baal and he took care of them. 
We'll keep it G-rated, but you can read it. 1 Kings chapter 18. <laughs> but then here's, here's what's very interesting. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 or 42, it says that Elijah goes to King Ahab and he says this. He says, King, it's about to rain. So don't worry. Go get a bite to eat. Go get a drink. Just relax. And it says that the, that the king listened and he went down to the mountain and he was headed to get something to eat. He was headed to get something to drink. Now I'm reading this and I find it very interesting because if I'm Elijah, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm like, wait, wait a second. I just performed like this craziest miracle ever. If there's anyone that's going to eat, if there's anyone that's going to drink something, it should be me. Right? I'm like, if there's anybody that deserves to eat and to drink, it's your boy right here. But that's not what he does. In fact, it says that, well, Elijah sent Ahab to go down to, the, to, to go eat and drink. It says that Elijah went to go pray. Think about that. And he went to pray specifically that it would rain. And this is, this is puzzling to me because, and this is what I'm talking about, yesterday was good, but tomorrow was better, having that mindset, is that if Elijah wanted to, he could have been content with the miracle that God just used him for. He could have been content with that, that God had just used him to do something really cool and he could have been like, peace, I'm done. But he believed that God wanted to use him for something even more. That yesterday was good, but tomorrow's gonna be even better. And so, so it says that, uh, so, so if, if I'm going to have that mindset, the attributes I gotta have is, I, I gotta believe, and the band can come out, that I gotta believe that, um, that, that I got to be confident that God will show up. But the second thing, this is an important one, is that um, I have to have expectation that God's not done. And so, so Elijah, he, he, could have, he could have just stopped right there, but he had expectation that God was not done with him, that God was not done using him. And here's what's crazy. Is, is that part of expectation is persistence. So it says that, it says that uh, Elijah, he went, he got down on his knees, and it said that he tucked his head between his knees, praying and, and waiting for God to, to let it rain. And it says that he popped his head up and the, the, his, his servant that was with him is like, Do you, is it cloudy yet? He's like, nope, not yet. So Elijah went back down. He got back up. Is it, are there any clouds yet? Nope. He did it seven times. So time after time, he kept, he kept waiting. Is it raining yet? Nope. Well, I'm gonna keep praying. See, part of me having expectation is learning to be expectant, to be persistent in my expectation. Woo! That came out. Yeah, that was, yeah. 
I gotta learn to be persistent with what I'm expecting. Elijah, he didn't see that rain cloud at first, so he was persistent. And he, he was persistent until it says that he saw a fist in the cloud. Oh, excuse me, a cloud the size of a fist. And in that moment when he saw that, he was like, it's gonna rain. And he tells Ahab, it's about to rain, hurry up, go. But here's the other part of expectation. You, you don't just have to be persistent, but expectation, this is, this, is, this is key. Expectation is also a posture. I can't say that I'm expecting when I'm walking like this. Because expectation is more than just what I'm, more than what I'm just verbalizing, but it's the posture in which I'm, I'm displaying. And it says that Elijah, he was so expecting that God wasn't done that he tucked his cloak between his legs, he tied it, and he ran past the chariot of King Ahab. There was a supernatural speed that took place with Elijah, that he beat the king to the destination. Here's why I think this is significant. Because as good as yesterday was, I'm believing that tomorrow is going to be even better. But, I'm, but I have so much expectation for that that I am choosing not to crawl through the next 10 years, not to limp through the next 10 years, but I am sprinting to the next season that God has for this church. I am believing in faith that you will sprint to whatever God has for you because you're full of expectation that he's not done. Now, now, I, I love this part. I love this part because um, <laughs> he sprints and he gets there. And, and you, I'm not going to go into this part because I'm done. But uh, he gets to his destination and Jezebel's waiting. And she's like, make sure that Elijah knows <clears throat> that the same thing he did to the prophets, he killed all the prophets, I'm going to do to him. And Elijah was like, what? And he ran and he hid in a cave. And the reason why I think this is significant is because just because I'm expecting that God is not done with me does not mean I'm not gonna hit speed bumps. It doesn't mean that, that challenges won't face me. And I can have, there, there are moments when, when I just want to run into a cave and I want to soak and I want to cry. And, and if you're honest, you probably experience that too. But I love that even in the cave, God still met Elijah. And he reminded Elijah that I'm not done with you. He provided for Elijah the food that he needed. He said, Elijah, eat some food. 
get up. I'm not done with you. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, whatever season you're going through, no matter what up or down you're in, that your expectation that God, have expectation that God is still going to show up, that God is not done with, with you. God is not done in your season. God is not done with your situation. God is not done with whatever you're going through. Because Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. For I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Come on, God is not done with you. God is not done with this church. As good as yesterday was, we're believing that tomorrow is going to be better. And we are running with expectation full of confidence that God is going to continue to be faithful. Amen, somebody.